Que la paix et la grâce de Dieu soient avec vous. That is right. Praise the Lord. I was told that this microphone has the ability of translating what I say in French into English. So I give it a try. I guess not. I am pleased to be here this morning. And um, I look at the time and I'm taking right now our kids and our church in Chambouin. Um, we have about 250 members, among them about 130 children between 5 and 12. Sunday morning, early, they gather in the church and they, they are ready to worship. And they will sing and dance for an hour if you let them do it. You know. So I'm just warning you that you're here for the next three hours. The door will be closed. And um, just let's have fun. Amen? Great. I like that. Um, my wife, Diane, is here with me. And um, Carissa and Lemuel, Nathan is not here. We have a good friend here with us from Zionsville, Chip, uh, Jim Mann. Could you stand, Jim? It's been a close friend, you know. He's, he's a little bit vanilla and chocolate, but we're a close friend. <laughs> he's been to Haiti several times, taking several teams to Haiti and helping with the work that we do there. This morning, I am going to try to speak very slow so that you can understand my French accent as I speak English. The other time I get excited, I can speak very fast too. So hopefully you will not be left behind. And, you know, in the first service, I try to be on time because I know we need to clear the parking lot so that the others will come. But you get the full version. There is nothing else happening after church. Is that right? <laughs> so, you uh, let's be patient with me. You know, he told me when the light is off, that's when it's time to be, to be done. That doesn't bother me. And hey, I have no light, so I can preach in the dark. <laughs> in John chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, we will be reading three verses. And I will try to share what the Lord has put in my heart on those three verses. And um, I'm reading from the New International Version. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Father, we pray that you bless your word this morning. In spite of me, a man in the flesh, you will speak to your people. Thank you for forgiveness of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Bless your people this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You and I, you were privileged to live in a world that is filled with violence, Despair, fear, and economic failure, drugs, famine, call it. When you turn on the TV and watch the media, it's always something scary. And sometimes you say, wow, God, why do I have to be alive in these days? World leaders are very concerned about what will happen. Trying to keep the economy together, trying to keep terrorists away, and trying to keep, you know, trying to make the world a safe place for us to be. And God created the earth perfect, but sins through us make the world a place that could be scary at times. But you are privileged to be here today on earth because there are two kinds of people that are just moving around this world. Those that are just God creatures, God created them, they are just, 
He's the creator. We are just the product. He's our creature. And those that has become children of God. Now, in those two categories, one is a part of the problem. One is a part of the solution of the problem. And uh, this morning, I would like to elaborate more on what does that mean to be a child of God. I would like to speak on the subject of reflecting the Father's love. Every Christian should be a mirror. When people look at you, they should, they should see God. Some of us, we are very spotless, clear mirror. People could see Christ in you. Some of us, it's a little bit blurry. You've got to put your bifocals to look. Is there any Christ in that person? You know, and as you know, the Christian life is like, I don't know if it is like a smooth climb for you. But for me, sometimes it goes, come down and come back again and just keep going up and down. And um, I rest on the fact that I'm a child of God. You will decide what is best for me, even when I feel down. Two kinds of people in the world today. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 25 and verse 2, verse 27, I read, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth and over all creatures that move along the ground. God created man in his own image and the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. There's no question for me and for you that we are the result of God's work. He created us. I know some people, you know, they get to college and they get all that head knowledge. I said, no, we, there is no creature. It's evolution. You know, some days something happened and it keeps developing. You know, it looks like it comes to a point where it stops. It does not develop anymore. Uh, a friend of mine who is a medical doctor in Haiti, he did not really want to believe in creation. But then as he graduated and he started working, you know, he would cut people and sew them together and see all those nerves and veins, you know, come together. He said, well, I guess somebody take time to create man. Because it cannot be just the byproduct of hazard or just something that just happened. Because it is all well put together. It is the result of the hard work of a creator. And then there are those that are God's children. 1 John 1, 12 says that yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the power to become a child of God, children of God. So those that are God's children and those that are God's creature. To me, it is a process. You know, God created you. You get to understand that. He gave you free will and you get to decide. You understand he's got the instruction manual. Sometimes, you know, you go, I mean, most sometimes, you know, you go to the store and buy something, a computer. Or anything you buy, there's an instruction manual that tells you how to operate it, how to make it work. I don't like to read that. I like to try to make it work, and when it fails, I go to the troubleshooting. The first thing I want to make sure is there a troubleshooting section, you know. If it quit, you know, I'll go there and see what to do. Or ask my wife, would you please read it and tell me what to do? <laughs> and God created us and gave our own instruction manual. If you read this and you live your life according to this, you will be good. You will lie, you will, you will live long, and you will fulfill your purpose and destiny. This is my manual. Things go back, I break down, I go back, they say, how do I fix it? You know, I mean, 
Back in Haiti, you cannot call the repairman. The repairman is right here, final instructions. <laughs> so it's, it's been really a blessing to learn to see my life in the light of God's word. And uh, there are several things that I have learned in the process. One of what I would like to share with you is what I call the, the process of decision-making. In making any important decision, you will have to involve your intellect to try to understand why you want to decide that, why you want to go that route. And your emotion get involved to see, am I doing the right thing? And then your will kind of finalize that decision. A um, couple of years ago, I did a complete physical and, and, and blood workout, and the doctor said, oh, by the way, your, as you told me, your father and mother, they both suffered from high blood pressure. Most likely, you will be heading that way. You're over 40s right now, so you need to watch your salt intake. I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, you need to be, have an active life exercise and avoid eating too much salt because that will cause your blood pressure to go up. So because of that, if I go to the supermarket to buy something right now, I check to see, okay, how much sodium is in that? I get my intellect involved to see, okay, low sodium, and my emotion said, it's good for you. I said, okay. And then I go to the cashier and I pay for it. Then my will, I've decided to buy it. My will is involved. Now it's, the product is mine. Your intellect, your emotion, and your will. Those three things will happen in any very important decision-making process that you will have to go through. It is the same thing to become a Christian. You don't blindly jump into Christianity. You've got to question, who is Christ? Who is Jesus? Is there indeed an empty grave in Israel? Was he ever nailed really on the cross? You start questioning all these things. And then you know that you're a sinner. You cannot be good in yourself. You need Christ. As you find out that Jesus Christ came and died for your sin, your emotion says, oh, I need him. I feel good about this. And then you come to a point where you said, you know what? I am going to pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Give me eternal life. Write my name in the Lamb Book of Life and help me to become the person that you have intended for me to be. You question what is Christianity and you feel, well, this is what you need, what's good for you because you know there is nothing good in you. I don't know about you, but in me, nothing is good. That flesh is bad. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Christ that I received in November 1980, I live daily to please him. Many times I fail. Many times things doesn't work too well. My emotion can vary at times, but the word of God is very stable. Amen? So that process of involving my intellect to know who is Christ, my emotion says, you know, you need him because you cannot live alone. You cannot be good by yourself. And then your will says, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin and give me eternal life. Those three steps are very important. I pray that everyone in this room this morning have gone through those steps involving your intellect, your emotion, and your will. I had to make a very important decision about 17 years ago. And um, I did the same thing. I left Haiti in 1989 after high school and needed to go to, I wanted to go to Bible school and the Lord opened the door I flew to Jamaica to go to Bible school. I said, Lord, I'm going to keep focus. All I want to do is to know you and know your word, nothing else. And uh, I did that for this first six months. 
But one day, I was just working on the campus, taking care of business, and then I passed by the administrative office, looked through the window, and there was a beautiful young lady sitting there doing her work in the computer. And I look, and I keep going, and my head keep looking back. And I found that my legs refused to move forward, and I come back and look again. And my heart leaped, you know, my heart beat. I said, something is happening here. And then I went and asked somebody, what's her name? I said, oh, her name is Diane. Is she married? No. Yes. <laughs> because I saw her and something happened. And, and then I engaged my intellect. Is she married? Where is she from? No, she's not Jamaican. She's in Jamaica, but she's from Trinidad and Tobago. A small island. Why is Trinidad? Oh, it's a small island, twin islands. Trinidad is one. Tobago is a small island. They are sitting on the top of Venezuela and the south of the Caribbean. Really? Okay. I found myself, if I'm in class and a teacher needs to make a, a copy, you know, I just, oh, I'll go do it. I'll run to the office just to make the copy. Beep. Mm, and I'm watching. <laughs> she, I mean, she had no idea that my heart was like going, you know, just for that. And then, as I desire to get to know her more, my emotion is about to get involved. I said, well, before, maybe she's got somebody back home waiting for her to come back from Bible school. I don't want to get really too excited. So I saved enough money, and I purchased an airplane ticket, and I flew to Trinidad. When I get there, I went to her church. Maybe one of the first places you will know if she's got a boyfriend or something is in a church. And I met the pastor and we talked, oh, she's such a wonderful young lady. She is great. She did Sunday school. She did all of that great thing. And I said, yes. And then my emotion get involved. And I went to the workplace. She used to work in a company. I went to the company and talked to her supervisor. Oh, we miss her so much. She used to make life so easy here. She works hard. And this all of great. Thing. Yes, my emotion now is completely involved. I met her parents. I said, oh, She's never been in, in, engaged in any relationship, you know. You know and then, and then her brother was not too happy. Who are you? What do you want? <laughs> well, I'm just here to visit, you know. I met them. What? You know, in fact, they give me a cutlass. They wanted me to cut all the grass in the yard. I said, I don't mind. I'll cut the grass. Maybe when I go back, they'll say, oh, he worked hard. He's a hard worker. Now I flew back to Jamaica and I get to know her and then I feel good about her and I told her about it and she said, oh, we need to pray. You know, and I said, okay, I prayed already. <laughs> she said, oh, maybe I need to fast. Come on. How long? Three months. No, come on. I mean, I had to wait for a long time and finally, we came to an agreement that we can live together. And August 1st, 1992, we got our will involved. I put a ring, two rings on her finger. She put one in mine. And we have three children. We've been together for the past almost 17 years. This upcoming August 1st will be 17 years. I felt the Lord is great the way he does things. Even me, from mud huts and the countries out of Haiti, no good. He gave me a beautiful wife. And I thank God for that. Now, having fully understood that I become a Christian in November 1980 when I prayed to receive Christ, I struggled with many things. Who am I? What am I here for? Where am I going? This question bothered me. I grew up into a Christian home. My, my father was a Christian leader in his church. 
you know, in, in a place that is filled with voodooism and witchcraft. The Lord led him to be a good man, and he raised us in his home. Take us to church. But in November 1980, I was 12 years old. Don't do the math to see how old I am now. <laughs> I prayed to receive Christ because in my high school, somebody spoke on the subject of being born into a Christian family does not make one a Christian. And that messed me up. My theology was that, well, I came from a, the room of my mom. She's a wonderful Christian. I'm automatically saved. Eh, that's not the case. We're all born in sin, and we need to pray and invite Christ to come into our life and forgive of our sins and make us the person that God has intended for us to be. But that's not enough. I needed to be assured. I read in the Bible in 1 John 5, 11 to 13, and it says, This is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. John persuaded to say, I write this to you so that you may know that you have the Son of God, you who believe in the name of the sons of God. Now, John did not say, I write this thing to you so that you may hope, you may wish, you may thank. He said, you may know. You can know today that you are a child of God. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the sons of God doesn't have life. It's very simple. And sometimes, you know, David sinned and then his spirit was so sad within him. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Holy Spirit testified with, with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit will be like a, a witness in our spirit to confirm that indeed you are a child of God. As Christians, I encourage you to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. You may be here today and you feel that you, you know, the Spirit is leading you to do something. Pray. Speak to your leaders. And once it's confirmed, obey the Spirit of God. So, to get a care of people, those part of the problem, those part of the solution of the problem, God's creature, God's children. This morning I pray that in this room, everyone that is here is already a child of God. It does not just come automatically. You've got to understand that you're a sinful person. The sinful nature in you will prevent you from doing the will of God and that you pray and invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, forgive your sins. And help you to be the person that God has intended for you to be. Satan's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. In whatever ways and opportunity he gets, he will try to fulfill his purpose. To kill you, to destroy you, to steal the joy that God has given you. But as you pray and receive Christ, you are a child of God. You could know, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. If I live, it is not me who live. It is Christ who lives in me. When things fail and when you sin, you know it says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your iniquities, it says, well, if you confess your sin, God is able to forgive you of your iniquities and remove your iniquities from you as far as, far as the east is from the west. These are great verses. They help me so much. When sometimes, I, some morning you get up and it's, you know, you don't feel good. The phone rang, you get a bad news from somebody. Somebody you love passed away. Or you've got a loved one in the family that refused to come to the Lord and you pray your heart is heavy. You don't feel good. You could go to the instruction manual and find the formula to get it fixed. Brothers and sisters, Lord has a plan for your life and Satan wants to destroy you. 
But in Christ, you can be more than a canker. I grew up into the villages of Grand Rock and, and Haiti, poor village. My father and my mother explained to me, they called me Esperance, which means hope in God, because my mom had two babies. The, the, each baby, five days old, died. You know, uh, and which doctor says, you know, we are cursing you. You will never have children because you don't bring your wife to us to the witchcraft over her stomach when she's pregnant. So to assign a spirit to uh, watch upon the fetus development. And my dad says, no, the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new person. The old has gone and behold, the new has come. Now when you become a Christian, you will lose some friends, you will gain some more. There are those that may not support your decision and some of them will be gone. You've got to be willing to let them go and pray for them. Sometimes we feel pressure that, you know, I would like to make that friend happy. I want him to be pleased about my decision. If he's not going to support it, then I will not do it. You need to please God, not people. And the same thing happened. I prayed to receive Christ. You know, when I was 12, I go to high school. I, I was challenged by many things. I do not always have food. Come from a very poor background, mud hut, nothing. But something happened. When I prayed to receive Christ, I knew that I'd become a child of God. I'm here to glorify God, and I have eternal life. Those three things make me a big difference between me and all my other classmates from high school or preschool that are still serving a witch doctor. There are those that have not left 15 mile radius where they have been born. They just stay there. And look, at, I'm here in Indiana. That is God's, by God's grace. When you grow up in a very poor background, your parents have never gotten into an airplane, and you end up all over the world, it is God's grace. I usually tell people I'm like a turtle on the top of a lamppost. I don't know about American turtles, but in Haiti, they don't climb trees. <laughs> if you see one on the top of a lamppost, somebody put him there. And that's me. So, I pray to receive Christ. And I said, God, I'm your child. I have eternal life. I'm here to glorify you. But there is more to it. I want an education. My parents are poor. They can't send me to school. I had to decide between fun and food. I would like to go to the movie. I would like to maybe go to the city and just go have fun. But the little money I have, food has become more important to me than fun. And maybe that helped me to grow quick. You know, when I have a little money, making right, the right decision. Not spend it on things that will not keep my stomach from growling. You know, spend it on things that will help you healthy and grow. But not only that, I came to understand that God does not create puppets. I'm a human being. There is potentials in me. And God has created those potentials in me so that I can learn and discover them, develop them, and fulfill my destiny. One time I was visiting a friend in the East Coast of the United States, and he said, how do you feel to be a black and you're not an African-American? I was like, that's a weird question. I said, well, I don't know how I feel, but one thing that I know, many years ago, a boatload of slaves came from somewhere in Africa, and some of them stopped in the East Coast here, and today is throughout generation, we guys are called African-Americans. But there was a boatload that went 600 miles south of Florida and stopped in Hispaniola. One side is the Dominican Republic, one side is Haiti. And my parents and sisters, they were in that one. And today I found myself to be a Haitian. I cannot change what happened 400, 500 years ago. 
cannot do anything about that. But today, where God has planted me with potentials and values, and his son in my life, I can impact my surrounding. I can change. I can make things happen by his grace. Sometimes we may need to learn to let go of the past if we can't change that and make things happen, create history today. The things that you are doing today in God's power, you are making history. Maybe it will be written in red to some kids and, you know, oh, you know, this guy and that guy did so and so. You know, his name was John Moon. He flew to Haiti and he, he took all those pictures and all these videos and put them together so that people that have not been to Haiti yet, you know, they work with Nehemiah Vision Ministries. Oh, Nehemiah Vision Ministries started from a little guy. He was, grew up naked in the villages and the mud hut. You know, history is in the making right now because there is potential in me that God has given me. Now, if there is potential in me to reflect the Father's love, what is in you? That is the question. What kind of potentials, what kind of values, what kind of gift and talents that God has given you that could enable you to reflect His love? When people see you, they see Christ in you. They see something that they desire. Oh man, I would like to have that which He has. Even when things are tough, she's got a smile on her face. What's going on? I don't have that. I'm not very patient. You make me wait five minutes and I'm mad. And the Holy Spirit says, patient is one of the fruit. I wanted to develop my potentials in becoming somebody that would be useful. Now, to make a long story short, I finished high school and went to Jamaica for Bible school. Met Diane, we married, and then we joined Campus Crusade for Christ. They sent me to East Africa. I went to Kenya, spent about 11 months in Africa for training. Now to go to Kenya, you fly to Miami, Miami to Frankfurt, Germany, and then from Germany to Nairobi, Kenya. While I was there, I traveled to all the other African countries. You know, they thought I was a Kikuyu, which is a tribe from Kenya. Said maybe it's a lost Kikuyu in Haiti, <laughs> not, not in Africa. And then I came back. Out of nowhere, mud hut, poverty, but found Christ, wanting to fulfill my destiny, and God is taking me to see the rest of the world. I came back to Haiti in 1995, and the Lord took me to, 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 to Singapore. I went to Singapore in, the, in Asia and spent like six weeks in leadership development. And then he took me to Thailand. I went to Pattaya, Thailand for like two weeks doing training. Then take me to Brazil and, and to um, Bolivia for more training. And I have seen... And I have been to Holland, Switzerland. I'm in mean, all Europe doing training with Campus Crusade. Remember, from a mud hut. But the cutting line started when I understood, yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Once you are a child of God, you've got no limit as far as fulfilling your destiny for God. I went back to Haiti in 1995 and working with Crusade, doing evangelism and discipleship, showing Jesus' film, people coming from darkness to light, from hopelessness to eternal life. I get excited. Ten years later, in 2005, my wife and I went to a small town called Chambon to visit some people. And uh, we were surprised to see 13-year-old young girls had babies. 14 years old, they were breastfeeding their babies. Some of the parents died from HIV AIDS and, and, and from all, all, all kinds of sickness that could be cured, but there is no health care in that community. 
And when we saw that, we thought, wow, we have to do something. And my wife said, what can we do? I said, well, we have no money. We cannot do anything. And she said, oh, you preach that message about, you know, using the little bit that you have. Sometimes it's good to preach and get excited. But when your wife takes your message and splash it in your face, boom, you go, oh, yeah, I think I preached that. That never happened, Pastor Paul. <laughs> she said, oh, I, we, we, she took me back to Second King. I preached about the, the widow. With the, he's got a little amount of oil. And um, she, her husband died. She had a huge debt that she had to pay. She had nothing. She went to the prophet and said, sir, my husband was a devoted man of God, but he died. He left a huge debt. And the debtors are coming to take my two sons, who are just all that I have right now, my two sons. They are the ones that comfort me. They help me. But according to the law of this country, the guy that lent us the money, he can come and take my two sons and sell, sell them as slaves. So I lost my husband. Because of the debt, I'm about to lose my two sons. That was a critical you know, the current situation, she was in a big problem. She could not solve it. That was the current situation for her life. And then, and then the man of God said, what do you have at home? She said, oh, there is not much, just a little bit of oil. And he said to her, this is your critical mass. You have something. God always gives us something. I don't know what you're going through this very minute, but God has blessed you with something. You may, you may have a desire, things that you cannot attain yet. You may have something that you wish you could do, but thank God for that which you have. I have something from nowhere in Haiti, poverty, and all of this, no electricity, no running water, but I have something. You've got nice paved road. You've got something. You've got electricity in your house, air conditioning. You go to the stores, you know, to Marsh and, you know, Target. You've got everything is there. You've got many things. And then, I, 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 I said, well, okay. And the lady said, well, all I have is some little of oil. And the man of God says, well, you go, borrow as many empty jars as possible, and then bring your two sons with you inside, close the door, and you start pouring that oil. She obeyed the man of God. The math did not make sense. One little bottle of jars, then many, many empty jars. That's the way the kingdom of God operates. Miracles. Multiplication. Nobody would, in your good mind, you will take one bottle of Coke, and you've got... 50 barrels to fill. How would you fill it? Well, the lady did the same thing and what the, the, the man of God told her to do and she started pouring the oil and her son kept giving her more empty jars. He kept pouring. She said, give me one more. And one of them said, mom, there is no more. They're all filled up. Then the oil says. She had a current situation. She was in death. Critical mass. She had a little thing. A critical path. She had to do that which does not seem to make sense. And she found a critical solution. She went back to the man of God and said, well, all the jars are filled. And he said, go sell all the oil. You will pay the debt. And whatever is left over, you and your son can live on that. I like to preach that message. And then Dian said, well, the current situation is those girls, you're 13, 14, they are babies. Somebody needs to do something. I said, not me. I have nothing. She said, well, we have something. Let's take $200 from our hard-raised support from Campus Crusade and start a school. Now, if, if my wife says so, I will do it. Then she can't come back to me and say, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that, you know. <laughs> said, well, great, it came to her. So we agreed. We started a school with 25 kids in November 2005. Well, the time, by the time we get to December, I get a call from the teachers that the children were passing out in class. They'll be sitting there and, oh, and just collapse. They're hungry. Their stomach is dead. There is no activity in there. 
Some of them have not eaten for two, three days in a row. Some of them, the parents died. They live in a big yard. And I know this was the son of him or Jim or whatever. And then if there is food, they scavenge around and find a little food to eat. One of them passed out in class and they gave him, put a candy into his mouth. And as it that dissolved and he drank it, he swallowed it. And then his sugar level get back better and he, he got up. And we talked to him. He said he has not eaten for three days. He walked half an hour to come uh, from, from his home to, to the school and half an hour to go back and no food. And then we said, well, we wanted to do a school, but, you know, there seemed to be more to it. We started friends and they started giving us some food and we cooked food for them Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tuesday and Friday, I don't go there. I don't want them to tell me they are hungry. And um, the second year, we had 65 kids. The third year, 135. This past year, we had 247 children in the school. We, had, we were forced to start a children's home. Many of them have no parents. And we do some medical clinics. We've got some of the nurses from this church. I've been to Haiti serving. And there's a great even opportunity for some of you to be there and reflect the love of God to the Haitian people. Are you reflecting the love of God? Are you a very clear mirror on which people can see Christ? Are you a very blurry one where people cannot see? They have to kind of look hard to see if there's any trace of Christ in you. Are you reflecting the love of God? I am not always good in everything that I do, but I strive hard to be good and that which I do for Christ. I am nothing. I grew up from nothing. In fact, many years ago, I could not stand here and speak English. In fact, when I left it in November, in, in, uh, November 1989, I landed in Jamaica. I could not speak English. I, my father told me in the last year of high school that he doesn't have any more money. He could not do anything for us. And I need to go back to the countryside. I said, Dad, I really need to have an education. He said, all I have is $50. He gave it to me, and I went to, throughout the town. I found a lady who put me into a government subsidized school. I finished 12th grade. I was able to sell and buy little things and get a little bag and go to Jamaica. When I landed in Jamaica, I was able to purchase a one-way ticket. And I got to the airport. There was three immigration lines. It's like the Lord tell me, go to the third line. And I went to the third line, and I give my stuff to the guy. He looked at them and said, there is a problem. I said, me, no problem. Me, no problem. He said, well, the problem, you come to Jamaica for a one-way ticket. He said, me Christian, me come to Jamaica, me study Bible, me finish, me go back to Haiti. He said, well, you cannot come with a one-way ticket. That's, there is a problem. I said, me is a Christian. He looked at me and said, me is a Christian too. I said, praise the Lord. And when he saw my hand was up at the airport, he looked around. It's like, let's not have church. We don't want to have church. You bring your hand down. Welcome to Jamaica. I said, well, thank you. When you praise God, he works on your behalf. <laughs> I was not sure whether he was going to send me back. But he said he's a Christian. I said, praise the Lord. And he does that, did not really want to see church happening at the airport, you know. All the other guys start looking at him. What's going on? He said, well, you know what? Bring your hand down. Welcome to Jamaica. Go, go. <laughs> God opened door for me because all I did, all I had is that I know that I become a child of God and I was praying and trusting him to tap into his, his resources to develop my potentials to become somebody who will fulfill my destiny. I have seen the world. I enjoy coming to the United States. 
I landed here on July 3rd, and the immigration officer who represented the American government, border control, he looked at my passport. He said, okay, you're from Haiti? I said, yes. And he said, you got my visa? and said, okay. How long will you be here? I said, I'll be here for several weeks. He put a stamp on my passport and said, okay, you can't be here until January 2nd, 2010. Then you need to leave. I said, sir, I don't need that much time, but thank you. So you're welcome. He looked at my passport and said, well, you are a Haitian citizen. This is the fact. The fact is, I was born in Haiti. I did not have any choice over that. I'm a Haitian citizen. That's what the fact is. But the truth is, I'm a kingdom citizen because I'm a child of God. Are you a kingdom citizen? How many kingdom citizens we have? Can you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. Praise, give, your hand, give yourself a hand. When you become a child of God, you're not just a U.S. citizen. You're a kingdom citizen. And you can fulfill whatever task God has for you. Because it is not just you who will do it. It is God in you who will fulfill it. Maybe you look at the State Department website and it says, oh, don't go to that country, there's a warning. Some people call me and say, well, I would like to come to Haiti and help you. Is it safe? And I go, has God asked you to come? Yes, then it's safe. If God asks you to come, it is safe because God is well able to take care of you. As leaders, we feel that we have the ultimate responsibility to make sure we watch, you know, what's happening in the country, making sure we don't bring anybody and then they, they get hurt there. And the Lord has been good for the past, you know, um, 15 years. I've been doing ministry full-time with Crusade. I've got, you know, American, Canadian, you know, they keep coming in and out, you know, and we will just, we feel that we, we have the ultimate responsibility to make sure that, you know, once they're here, you know, everything is good and they go back home, the family is happy. John came to Haiti and, you know, he had his, um, how do you call this thing? Is it iPod? iPhone. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm from Haiti. I don't fully understand this thing, so bear with me. And, you know, at home I've got wireless internet, so he was like, time to time his finger goes like this. What is he doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just texting my wife. Great. She's here praying. Oh, I pray that he's fine. I pray he comes home great. And he came home and the Lord touched him. I'm extending an invitation to you to come to Haiti to invest your time to help in whatever ability, whatever. You know, you may say, well, I don't have great skill. You know, I told someone, the only requirement for you to come to Haiti, you've got to be a fat Christian. Faithful, available, teachable. If you're fat, you can come. <laughs> Are you fat? I am fat. <laughs> if you're a faithful Christian, you're available, you're teachable, you're flexible, please, you're, you're welcome to be a blessing to the people there. Two things happen when you come. You encourage the people in Haiti and the hardship and let them know that you're not alone. We are Christian abroad. We may have a better life than you do physically, but we care about you. We are here to encourage you. Well, the other part of the first thing is that the leader, like me, I'm very much enthusiastic. I'm, I'm enthused. I, it's like a spiritual boost to me to see other Christians coming and help out. And the second thing that happened, you'll be shocked to see those people living in those harsh situations. They're always happy. They are smiling. They don't have to worry about insurance not being paid. There's no insurance. <laughs> or their car is breaking down. The donkey, they just feed it grass. You know? Or the police give them a ticket. They're on bicycle in the countryside, you know? <laughs> so I'm inviting you to invest your time. T-I-M-E. The T is your 24 hours you have, your time. The I is the influence. You, each of you has a sphere of influence. 
people around you that would like to take your advice, you can influence them for Christ. The M is the means that you have. The money, whatever God has entrusted. In fact, it's not yours. You just need to be a good steward of that which God has entrusted you and use it to please Him. The E is your expertise to really help somebody know something that you know. You may be a nurse, you could take care of somebody. You may be a school teacher, you may know about agriculture, whatever skill you have, you could use that to bring glory to God. This morning, I want to challenge you to reflect the love of God. I want to challenge you to be a mirror in which people can see Christ. Would you reflect God? Would you invest your time? I say investment because when you give, if you pass by the roadside, you give somebody a quarter, bye. I hope I don't see you again. But once you invest, you want to pray over your investment. You want to make sure that there is a return. When you give or you, you go to Haiti or you go elsewhere, you invest in the God's kingdom, you pray that that person will really have a change in life. There is a return. Something happened as a result of your investment. Would you reflect the love of God? Would you invest your time? All that you are to bring glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you that you handpicked me from darkness to light, from hopelessness to eternal life. And Father, this morning in Genesis Church, we pray that you will touch each and everyone that is in this church right now. Father, if there's anyone in this room right now that is not yet a child of God, we pray, God, that will not leave these doors without making that commitment to you to move from being your creature to your children. And they can find, develop the potentials to fulfill the destiny. Father, we pray for this church. They will even more engage into mission locally and internationally, so that your name will be glorified. Let each of them be like a mirror that will reflect your love very clear, and people will be saved. People will move from darkness to light, from hopelessness to eternal life. Father, I pray this word in Jesus' name, the only mediator between sinful man and holy God. Amen.